everyone and welcome. You are joining us for another episode of our Dallas Unplugged podcast. My name is Jolie Angel Robinson. I'm the VP of Government Affairs and Public Policy for Dallas Area Habitat for Humanity. This Dallas Unplugged podcast really lets us dive into the conversation of all things kind of housing, affordable housing, workforce housing, and I've also mentioned the other term that I like to use in this conversation is equitable access to housing. Today, we have an amazingly special guest. I've had the honor to know him for several years. He's done tremendous work here in the city of Dallas. Councilmember Casey Thomas, thank you for joining us today. Anything that you want to share kind of in your intro, Councilmember Thomas? Well, thank you, uh, Jody, for having me. And thank you for your years of service with the city of Dallas. Uh, <clears throat> um, my name is Casey Thomas. I've been on the Dallas City Council now for six years. I was just recently reelected for my final fourth and final term on the city council. I'm born and raised in Dallas, uh, grew up in the Pleasant Grove area. I went to Skyline High School, that's where I graduated from. Went to the University of North Texas and I got my Bachelor of Business Administration from UNT. Spent 15 years as a classroom teacher prior to serving on the city council. So since I've been on the council, my focus has been on uh, initially economic development, and quality economic development focused specifically south of 30 uh, in Oak Cliff in particular. And then over the past five years, uh, I fell in love with workforce development. I recognized the great need. And so I've had an opportunity to, to provide leadership in several committees here with the city of Dallas. Most recently, I was appointed by a mayor to be chair of our workforce education equity committee. And uh, as of January 1st, Housing and Homeless Solutions Committee. I was the vice chair. And so in January, the mayor elevated me to serve as chair. What I've been really focused on in between all of those things is the fight on COVID. I serve as our chair of our ad hoc committee on COVID-19 recovery and assistance. And so um, the past year, year and a half has been difficult. It's been a challenge. Governing during the pandemic, I think there may be a book I'll write once I leave the council. <laughs> governing during the pandemic has been uh, an interesting experience as well as through a, a year of engaged social unrest. As a result of the murder of George Floyd, we have seen social justice and racial equity come to the forefront. Uh, I was recently appointed as vice chair of the, of the National League of Cities Racial Equity and Leadership Council. Yeah. And so we're it's been a pleasure and an honor. And so we're leading the effort on looking at best practices, uh, ways in which we can um, make sure that um, this shift uh, is not just temporary, you know, in whatever ways we can make it permanent, we make it permanent. And so um, it's an honor and pleasure to be with you this morning. I mean, you have so many tremendous tidbits. I knew you were a teacher prior to uh, joining city council which is exciting, right? It's an exciting thing for, for, for folks to know and for me to know specifically. And I know this wasn't one of the questions, but as you were talking about it, like how has that history of being a teacher for all of those years, how has that influenced how you go about doing your city council business? Well, you know, I, I tell people, and I told people when I first got on the council, I was educating little people, now I'm educating big people. And, you know, and, and it's so much that I learned um, when I first got on council that uh, residents of the city of Dallas, especially those who live in, in south of 30, 
Uh, I changed that as of yes, as of Wednesday. Now I say south to 30 as opposed to southern dollars. I, didn't I love it. Residents of West Dallas didn't consider themselves Southern Dallas, but you know, once you knew better, know better, you do better. So I'm, I'm changing my vocabulary to say South of 30. I recognize that residents of South, South of 30 did not know how to access city services. And so that's been the biggest thing that I've been able to carry over, just that teaching and training and educating people about how city services within the city of Dallas uh, function and how to make the local government work for you that's that's perfect that, that's perfect and spot on again we're talking to councilmember casey thomas he is the council member in district seven correct district seven no three three district three excuse me i'm getting my districts mixed up district three he is the council member for district three councilmember casey thomas here in the city of dallas Dallas Area Habitat uniquely covers not only the city of Dallas, but Dallas County. And so part of what we do when we're talking to some of our elected officials and advocating for affordable housing is reach out to our elected officials. Uh, Councilmember Casey Thomas, he is um, over the Housing and Homelessness Committee. And so he has uh, a critical piece of the equation. Also racial equity, if you heard him mention racial equity is important and, and a, uh, an area that he leads in. And so it's important for the intersection of housing, homelessness and racial equity. I'm gonna kind of dive right into my questions, Councilmember Thomas. The okay. city of Dallas, uh, the housing focus and policy. Why is housing, whether it's affordable housing, workforce housing, equitable access to housing, why is that so important to the city of Dallas? Well, when I, you know, first began um, serving on the city council and, and when I was running, what I began to recognize is a lot of my classmates and people that went to school uh, with me around whether they went to Skyline or not, but the other schools in, in Dallas ISD, a lot of, of, of them uh, had left the city of Dallas, had moved uh -huh. to, you know, local suburbs, City Hill, DeSoto, Duncanville, et cetera. And, and I was wondering, you know, why so many of them left. And what I began to realize is it was because of the type of housing uh, stock mm. uh, that was not available. You know, uh, we're at a point where we're, you know, having family, we have a family and we're raising kids or, you know, progressing in our career. And so we need, you know, homes. We need a home of a certain size at a certain price point and those homes were not available. And as uh, your form, former president would say, the missing middle, That's the right. missing middle. And because uh, so many of us, you know, did the things our parents told us, went to school, got our degrees, got a good job, started our career, we were middle to upper middle income. And because of that, uh, those are the, that's the type of homes that we were looking for. And many of them, you know, have not been able, and we're not able to find them. And so that's one of the reasons why housing was so important to me is because I was like, you know what, uh, retain, and you probably remember this, back under the days of Neighborhood Plus, one yeah. of the main goals was recruit and retain the middle class. That was one that I just kind of took ownership of because it fell right in line with that, you know, my mission, which was to bring them back to Dallas, if not, then the next generation, when they, you know, graduated, went off to school, that they would want to come back 
home and bring that talent and bring that knowledge and experience back to Dallas so Dallas could continue to grow and thrive and be the great city that it is. And to your point, that missing middle, people are looking for housing stock. They're looking at the education system. They're probably looking at the school, the feeder pattern that their child might be going to, especially as they're starting families, having kids. They're looking at the distance to and from work, right? They're looking at all of, they're having to include all of these facts. They're looking at safety. They're looking at grocery stores, healthcare or medical facilities. Folks, um, and, and really across the income spectrum are looking for a variety of those things. And as you mentioned, that missing middle, folks have probably gone off to college. They're trying to come back to home base, but they're looking for somewhere to anchor and plant their families and their, their start their new the next phase of their career or their life and, and do they have housing stock available for them. One of the things I talk about is, and, and Dallas Area Habitat and Habitat International talks about the cost of home and how expensive it may be. Could you get a, a different house in a different neighborhood if you lived outside of the city of Dallas? So um, your time on the council, you're, you're nearing the end. Congratulations on this previous election and, and all of that. Uh, looking forward to kind of your, I guess it would be your uh, sunset, your sunset term um, and all that will happen. You've really accomplished a lot. As, as you mentioned, uh, that, that teacher in you has been helpful for even me throughout my time and career, even as an employee of the city of Dallas, you know, helping in different ways in the community and now with Dallas, Dallas area habitat. So thank you. But how does have housing fit into like the overall city economics? You talk about that economic development, you know, focus that you have and that you had. How does housing tie into overall city economics? Uh, housing is critically important as it ties in economic. Uh, on yesterday, um, well, no, on Wednesday, time's fine. On Wednesday, uh, the council was briefed on the city's draft of our economic development plan and policy. Uh, and a key tenant of that is housing. Uh, as we're looking at, you know, bringing uh, relocating companies and, and things of that nature. Well, housing is important to that. Hmm. If they're going to relocate many of their employees, they want to be able to move here, find somewhere they can stay. Uh, if they have family somewhere, a home, where they can, you know, raise their families in. And so housing is a critical, critical component of economic development and making sure that we have a variety of housing stock uh, for individuals. Uh, we know a lot of our millennials, and now we have Gen Z, I used to say millennial, but a lot of them um, are not looking to get a home they want, you know, just a place that they can stay, an apartment. And many of them have moved to the uptown area. Well, I used to say this as I was uh, uh, getting this focus on, on uh, retaining and recruiting the middle class. Well, one day, these millennials or these younger Gen Z are going to meet someone. And they're going to decide, they're going to fall in love. They're going to decide that this is someone they want to spend the rest of their life with. And once that happens, they're gonna to wanna to buy a home, a house. And so we wanna make sure that a variety of housing is available for them now and then. And then as they get older, you know, and, and later in life, same thing. Someone, if they choose to stay in place and spend the rest of their time there, we want them to be able to have someone they can stay. 
if they choose to sell a home or give it to, you know, their their children and say, you know what, senior living is the way to go. We're seeing more and more senior living apartments. Very, very, you know, nice, top quality. They don't have to worry about the yard. They don't have to worry about maintenance, you know. And so because they make good choices early in life, they're in a position to where they can spend their disposable income and their retirement. And when they're not traveling, just be able to have a, an apartment where they can come to and not worry about all the maintenance. Absolutely. I know you have a, a special place in your heart and in your policies and processes for our uh, aging population, for our seniors, our seasoned adults um, here in the city. So I, I do appreciate that. Again, y'all, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching Dallas Unplugged, this is our podcast, a wonderful opportunity to dive deeper into the conversation about housing. I've always mentioned kind of three ways you can get involved in engagement in a civic way, um, engagement with nonprofits like Dallas Area Habitat. And of course, Councilmember Casey Thomas, District 3, there's three things I'm sure you can do in that district or across the city. That's advocate, that's donate and volunteer. Um, all folks need your help and your support if you're out there. I love action-oriented conversations as well. So later on, we'll talk, I'll ask Councilmember Casey Thomas how people can get involved. Um, he's really provided some great um, information for us. So I appreciate you again for joining us. There's this tension of supporting affordable housing or workforce housing within the city of Dallas. Can you unpack that briefly, why that tension exists? What can we do about it as we move forward to support housing in the city? Yeah, I, I think, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I just had a zoning case where I was dealing with this same issue uh, uh, over in uh, Westmoreland Station. Um, what we have to do is we have to educate people. I had to get educated. I had to get educated on what AMI really, really means and what that means in the city of Dallas. Simple fact, simple fact. The average median income for the city of Dallas is 50 to 60,000, 50, 60,000. And so on two levels, one, individuals who are making 50, my salary, you know, right, council right. member salary, you know, and then those who serve us. And, and that's how, you know, that's the language I use. You know, we have to take care of those who are serving us. They should have a place to call home as well. And so having these type of conversations, that's one of the benefits of being term limited. You can actually lead tough conversations that, you know, you're planting seeds. Later, they're going to really, really germinate because people are beginning to understand why we're having the conversation. You know, there's something called NIMBYism, yeah. you know, and that's been the greatest, I think, challenge to um, affordable, or I prefer to call it workforce housing in high opportunity areas. It has been the greatest challenge. And a lot of it's based on perception. These poor people are gonna bring my neighborhood down. They're gonna be, you know, not gonna take care of their property. They're gonna commit a lot of crimes. Those are some of the preconceived notions and false notions that people have 
when it comes to affordable workforce housing. So we have to be able to give people good factual information. One of the things that turned the tide on a development that I was just speaking about, the only case I was speaking about, is once people began to understand what AMI is, what you know that number really is, who, because we, we have to put a face. That's it. Yep. On, on things like this, even homelessness. We have to put a face on those things. Not people's perception, but the actual reality of who these individuals are. That yeah. person who comes and gives you quality service at your favorite bar or restaurant every week. That individual, where does that individual live? Have you even thought to take the time to ask them, where do you live? What challenges have you maybe been facing? These individuals, same individuals who were impacted the most by COVID-19 economically. Yeah. Because when bars, restaurants, fitness centers, all these places had to shut down immediately and we had to stay in place, they lost their form of income. Absolutely. And so being able to connect the dots, I think is critically important to be able to have a real, frank, sincere conversation about workforce housing slash affordable housing. And we are working right now with our legislators in DC to change the language from low income to affordable housing. Yes, There's yes. A bill. Yeah. There's a bill in Congress right now. I think uh, Congressman Mark Beasley is one of the signers on that bill that will change the language mm -hmm. to affordable from low income housing and perception is reality and yes. it will make all the difference in the world not just in dallas but across the country i've got a call in right now to secretary fudge we have a mutual friend because i want to talk with her about and it's great what they just did those vouchers that was just announced for dallas yeah. i thank the mayor for being on that call but mm -hmm. i think the next is there more that can be done if we if she knows that we're if we're on her radar Mm -hmm. And she's looking at being innovative and focusing on equity. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of ways in which the city of Dallas and the Dallas Forward Metroplex can benefit from. I mean, I just I just jotted down a whole bunch of notes, right? Like you drop in all the nuggets of gold today. Um, you said language matters. Absolutely, absolutely. Even um, working in this uh, in this nonprofit space, talking about housing, removing low income from our vocabulary, right? Talking about affordable housing, workforce housing, and as I've mentioned, equitable access to housing is important. That equitable access to housing really talks about like even going back to acknowledging the history of perhaps some discriminatory and racist policies that have left many people out of the ability to own a home. And, and create that generational wealth and pass that down, right? So I applaud that effort to change that language. I think to your point, it's damaging and that NIMBYism can flare up, right? Um, and I know many people have heard the term, but really it's just an acronym for not in my backyard. So many of the social things that we try to uh, focus on in the city of Dallas and across our state or country whether it be addressing those that are experiencing homelessness or housing or whatever that issue is, sometimes people have a perception of a population of individuals that could just is, is simply false, is not true. 
And so I, I love the opportunity to change that language. I think that's extremely critical. You also brought up something else and you didn't say it explicitly, but the, the string that you're tying together is that there are local things that have to happen. There are state things that have to happen and there are federal things that have to happen to change the landscape of housing, right? City council can't do it alone. You can't be focused just on district three. How can I improve housing in district three? That's not gonna do it alone. All 14 council members aren't gonna be able to do it alone and just be thinking about their slice of the pie. But at the local, at the state and the federal level, really if we're changing some different levers and legislation, that's where true change happens. So thank you for bringing, for bringing that up. Um, I think you, you really covered, honestly, what would you want people to know about housing and the work the city is trying to do? If there's anything you think you wanna to add to that space, please, please go ahead. Well, I think as we begin to come out of COVID, I think as the opportunity presents itself for us to once again gather and do community in-person meetings, um, having focus groups, breakout sessions at community meetings. You know, my first year in the office, I had 20 community meetings because I realized how much people just did not know. And I, I think as I go into my last term and I know with Facebook friends and, and I made a post about what I'll be focusing on, you know, I call God's marching orders for me. A lot of that has to do with continuing that education process. I call it going back to the basics. That's where I started my first term. That's why I think I'm going to I'm going to end because some of the city's processes have changed according yeah, to COVID, yeah. and then also there are some city processes that people didn't even understand then. But as it relates to housing specifically, having these conversations, doing these breakout sessions, and and I think the opportunity to present itself if there's interest for me uh, to partner with Habitat and having these conversations uh, potentially. You know, if the mayor reappoints me as chair, we're going to have that conversation hopefully in the next uh, few weeks. Um, being able to go across the city, invite that council member because that's the district they represent, but as the chair of Housing and Homeless Solutions, going all across the city and having these conversations in different neighborhoods about what is truly affordable housing or workforce housing, you know, what are people's perceptions? What about those who serve us each and every day? Don't they deserve somewhere quality to live? I think putting in the work, that's why I call it putting in the work, putting in the work up front will really help us down the road as we began to really, really implement our comprehensive housing policy. I, I completely agree. I think the, the education and putting the work up front um, helps move the process along a lot easier and a lot quicker because people are, you know, I guess like the Wizard of Oz, they can see behind the curtain, right? It's not, it's not like things are happening to them and to their neighborhood without them knowing the process. Any, anything else as we round up this time, Councilmember Casey Thomas, I always appreciate you and appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, if y'all are out there listening, again, I'm Jolie Angel Robinson, VP of Government Affairs. Um, and public policy here at Dallas Area Habitat. We're talking to District 3 Councilmember Casey Thomas, um, talking about the tremendous career that he's had, even starting with his time in education, I think, which has been critical. And if you've been following Dallas politics, I think you can see that in Councilmember Casey Thomas as he 
Um, as he leads uh, in a variety of ways, I think you can see that history uh, flow. We've talked about how language matters. We've talked about we got to focus on local, state, and federal policies, practices, and legislation to really move the needle on housing. I've always given you three ways you can be involved and engaged. That's advocate, donate, and volunteer. Find an organization, pick an organization. Dallas Area Habitat can be one of those. But please advocate, donate, and volunteer. Councilmember Casey Thomas, as we end our time here today, anything you want to talk about about how people can get involved? I know you mentioned maybe some listening sessions, breakout sessions, anything to that uh, effect. What can they do? Is there an email address if they're listening and they're like, I want to, you know, be on your distribution list when those things happen? What can they do to stay in touch and get involved? Absolutely. I'm glad you suggested that. Yes, uh, you can get on our District 3 email distribution list. You can uh, call my office, 214-670-0772. Ask for Yolanda Miller. Once again, Yolanda Miller, 214-670-0772. And say, so I'd like to get on the District 3 email distribution list. We post all of our events uh, on social media. Uh, we send them uh, out through our emails. You can follow me, uh, Casey Thomas, on uh, Facebook. Uh, KCT07 on Instagram, on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I try and share as much information as I possibly can. You know, I, I've developed this philosophy, I guess it was either going into or coming out of, of COVID. Find your it. That's what everybody needs to do. Find your it and then get in where you fit in. <laughs> Whatever your it is, find your it and get yeah. in where you fit in. We need you, we need your voice. We need your physical presence. Uh, we need your contributions to so many of our organizations that are doing great work pre-COVID and during COVID. And we'll be doing a lot of work coming out of COVID. So we need you. You know, I know I'm not Uncle Sam, you know, but I'm adopting that philosophy. We need you to join us in this effort to make Dallas the best city in the world. Absolutely. I, I have nothing else to say after that. Councilman Casey Thomas, I wish you and your family well. Um, you all have a great one. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Dallas Unplugged. Y'all have a great one. Bye.